0: Hi and welcome back to Police Stories Podcast. I'm Dave and this is a series of short stories about my 28-year career in the police. Um, Downloads continue to go well, thank you. Uh, More and more people coming on board, listening, which is nice. From such varied places across the world, it uh, continues to amaze me. Um, the sort of uh, how widespread the podcast is getting, but please uh, assist with that and tell people you think may be interested um, to get some more listeners so today we're going to talk about um, a helicopter attachment that i had fairly early on in my career i was within my first year or so uh, of service and i can't remember whether i knew someone or whether i basically approached the sort of helicopter unit direct and said look i'm fairly new to the job um is there any chance of coming along to see what you do for the day you know and this was something they were quite used to they were based at a a commercial airport i say commercial we're not talking a massive airport like heathrow or something it was a much smaller um sort of airport that took in you know light aircraft um but also had this this helicopter base there the police helicopter at the time Uh, And this particular helicopter was made up of three crew. Um, It varied at the time. Again, it hadn't been sort of standardized. So different sort of forces did different things. Sometimes police shared uh, an ambulance helicopter and vice versa. But uh, in our particular force at the time, the makeup was uh, the pilot. Uh, Then you had an air observer who was uh, like a navigator stroke extra crewman. And they had a certain amount of training um in and around the aircraft for safety checks and things to assist the pilot um and then also they carried a paramedic as well so fantastic resource you know had all the sort of bases covered uh, anyway i knew we had this opportunity to to go along and have a day there now of course you know uh, i think a friend or two of mine had done it and they would had nothing happen all day you know it's just the luck of the draw you can't make stuff happen um, so you just go along and you commit a day to it and you see what happens. I mean, if nothing else is interesting, looking around the aircraft and understanding what they do. And they had some, you know, videos of um, sort of things they'd been to before just to sort of keep you occupied. Um, so I'd gone along for this day and I think you worked a kind of fairly standard, you know, nine to five sort of day shift. I'd gone along uh, and, you know, the crew had a had a really nice life, to be honest with you. You know, they had a gym there. Uh, they had access to, you know, a TV and, um, and their food and a, a small kitchen and things. And they basically, uh, they did wait, you know, for a call. It wasn't like they went out and patrol for the sake of it because obviously to run a helicopter is uh, or is, you know, particularly expensive. So it's not the sort of thing you took out for a spin. Um, but they were requested so much that they were out virtually every day. And, uh, now, uh, that's definitely the case. So we went along, and I, uh, you know, had access to the police computers there, and I was sitting around, and, and early on, once I had my tour of the aircraft, and they showed me where I would sit and what would happen if there was a shout, and I think we refueled the aircraft. So it was a really interesting time from my point of view. But they talked around um, some of the jobs they'd been to, and uh, one of the old sweats there that had been there, you know, a long time and had kind of twenty or thirty years in the job. and I was looking up to very much as, you know, this experienced god of policing as someone with a a year in who would have been sort of 22. Uh, I was like, oh, I really hope we get a job today. He kind of nodded, you know, sagely and was like, yeah, be careful what you wish for, you know. And I was thinking, what does he know? You know, I just want to get out and do something exciting. Um, So we sat around and we sat around and we sat around (laughs) And there were several kind of calls that were bubbling, different things happening, accidents. And then I think there was a stabbing, you know, and and bits that looked like they could involve us. But invariably, um, it was decided that, you know, we weren't required. So that didn't happen. So every time my hopes were getting out, that oh, this is it, you know, we're going to get a call. No, nothing. So frustrating. Anyway, it came to about quarter to five uh literally the crew was just getting ready to to leave because they worked a nine to five and they handed over i think to a late crew um or in fact no i think they handed over to a night crew it was it was sort of manned 24 hours a day this helicopter because that again that wasn't always the case sometimes there was a a call out so we were literally 15 minutes from the shift ending and a call came in uh you know on the surface didn't sound that exciting but it was um uh, a woman had fallen off her horse and had injured her neck and she was quite rural and not only were they finding it difficult to find her but also um, the assumption was that if they did find her that they were going to struggle uh, to actually be able to get her out you know, to an ambulance or, or potentially to a hospital. So we were tasked to go. So they gave me the option, look, we're basically finished for the day but we are going to go up so it's up to you if you want to stay on. Well, of course, you know, I didn't need to be asked twice. I was running for the aircraft the same as they were and I thought this is it. This is my chance. Fantastic! So jumped in the helicopter. You know, it, it took off. i would never been in a helicopter. I don't think at this point, uh, certainly not one that had taken off. Um, so we took off, and it was about a 15 minute flight. I think at the time we could cover the entire county within an hour. It was about a 15 minute flight uh, to this particular location, and uh, without, a di- without a doubt, without a doubt, the pilots, which are all ex military um so they really knew their stuff you know they're very good pilots and and used to fly in helicopters low and i think it's called nap of the earth flying you know where they hug the contours of the of the ground to prevent uh you know being shot down you know in a wartime situation these guys were really good um so they, 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 You know, he, shoo- he showed off without doubt on the way and probably did his best to try and make me sick. I think that was generally the plan, you know, make, make the new guy sick. That'd be entertaining. Um, so we did exactly that. We did some fairly low flying, you know. Um, it was very rural, so he was very much sort of following uh, the contours of, of the ground. And uh, it was basically, it felt like to me, you know, flinging the aircraft around quite a bit. And certainly uh, when we got to where we were heading, we could see the female on the ground And I think there was a couple of people with them and they had like some fluorescent clothing on or something they were waving their arms at us. So we were reasonably confident this was then that the horse had already bolted and I think that was the issue and the woman was lying on the ground. Um, so we circled a couple of times. Now, actually, i had been all right in terms of feeling sick going there when he was doing his best, you know, to try and make me feel sick. But when we circled a couple of times, he had the nose... Uh, the helicopter dipped quite low as we were circling and actually the circling was was making me sick i think i said on the last one that i struggled a bit on um, fairground rides and things not not feeling sick and and this wasn't helping anyway so i was quite relieved when we eventually put down quite near the uh, the woman um and actually around about the same time we arrived an ambulance had managed to get through the rural roads and find her so we went over she did have a neck injury it wasn't terrible Um, but, uh, they kind of, you know, assessed her and and assisted the local paramedics, but then it was decided that actually because of a neck injury, they were going to transport her by road anyway. Um, so we weren't there that long, probably half an hour or so tops. And, um, she was, uh, loaded into the ambulance and taken by road, you know, but it was a good opportunity for me to have a flight. And of course, on the way back, the favorite trick was... Um, we had a very, very large uh cliff nearby, I think six hundred feet down to the beach. And uh unfortunately it was a notorious sort of suicide spot. And the pilot did his favorite thing, which was took us over to the edge of the uh <coughs> cliff and basically said, um, have you ever wondered what it's like, you know, to jump off a cliff? And I was kinda of like, No, you know, why would I? But uh he said, Well, I'll show you. So we went over the edge of the of the massive cliff, and then he dropped very rapidly the other side. Um and your stomach really comes up and sort of sits in the back of your throat. So they all thought it was hugely amusing. Of course, you can imagine I wasn't quite so uh, happy. And I was eyeing where the sick bags were just in case, but desperately trying to save face by not being sick in front of these guys. <clears throat> so we headed back to the base and we landed and that was brilliant. And to be honest with you, I was happy with that. You know, I thought that's a good day. You know, I know I've sat around for a lot, but actually I've, I've seen, I've had a fly, and I know how it works. So it's really great. And... Uh, so we packed up, we pretty much uh had our sort of civilian jackets on and were stepping out the door, turning the lights off to the office when the the kind of bat phone rang, you know, as they called it, the the big red phone that means it's a job and an important job. So they ran back over and picked it up. And now this one was very different. This was much worse. This was a a really serious accident involving three nurses that had been on a, a charity walk. Um Now, I'm not massively uh, religious, but some of the jobs you go to, you you do come away wondering from, you know, where is the justice in the world? How can this be right? You know, you can get quite sort of deep and philosophical about these things. But this was three nurses on a charity walk, um, had been wiped out by a car, basically. And they were asking urgently for the um, for the ambulance for the helicopter. So and the ambulance as well so it was decided that we would go back in i was asked again you know look you are finished you can go if you want and i was like absolutely not i'm coming to this um so all jumped back on board the aircraft flew off it was quite a long flight it was right at the edge of our grounds i think it was kind of half an hour 40 minutes so plenty of time to think about uh you know what was going to happen and how could i help and what was i going to do and i was a little bit nervous about the medical side of things because I'd actually been to an accident myself, me and a a pal um, with a guy, we'd pretty much just been released by ourselves that we were um, sort of fit for independent duty. So we were allowed to go out ourselves and they'd actually decided to pick me and a guy I joined with together. Or in fact, I think he had about a month more service than me. So we were really new and we were chuffed that we was like letting the puppies out to play. Um and typically we'd been right on the edge of our ground and there'd been a, a call to an accident, no details. It's been an accident, that's it, no details. So you didn't know whether it was literally a minor bump, you know, a fender bender, or, or whether it was more serious. And we turned up to this job and um there was a guy lying on the floor next to his car and there was what's called a bullseye uh on the windscreen of the car. So basically a circular sort of smash that looks a bit like a spider's web, but it was Pushed out from the uh, inside, um, and you see them quite a lot of accidents and they 're generally called bulls eyes and um, normally, the person's not been wearing a seatbelt, so their head has hit the windscreen uh, on the impact of the crash, so there's a really big bull's eye and actually something had come through the windscreen as well on this guy and i 'm never quite sure how he got his injury, but he was laying relatively calmly beside his car and we'd gone running up. And my friend had had gone off to deal with the other person. I was speaking to this one. And while he was laying there saying that he felt really calm, but a bit weird and what have you, um, on the top of his head, there was something white. And I couldn't really make out what it was. There was this triangular shape on the top of his skull. And the closer I looked, I realised that actually the, the top of his skull in this triangular shape was actually missing. There was no hair. There was no sort of bone. And it was almost quite neatly cut out at the top of his head and I could see this white at the top of his skull where this triangular shape was and apparently there's a membrane that actually a white membrane that actually covers the the brain um, and that's what I was looking at you know he's actually the top of his skull was missing in this shape and I, I just couldn't believe what I was looking at especially as I was speaking to this guy and he was saying to me you know oh is it is it bad? You know, am I, am I okay? And I was kind of looking at it. Oh no, no, it's fine. Thinking in the back of my mind, I have no idea what I'm going to do here. And for all I know, you know, this is going to be fatal. So I was trying to reassure the guy, but I'm looking around and on the floor next to him was this neat triangular shape clump of hair. Uh, so I picked it up, I had gloves on, picked it up and uh, realised that it was this piece of his skull. that. That, And I'm still not quite sure how that had been cut out smashed out it was probably the thing that had come through the windscreen which I think was a a piece of metal from another vehicle and um, I basically didn't know what to do with it you know you get first aid training the police Um, certainly years ago it was fairly basic it's a lot better now Um, but at the end of the day you know you're still a police officer first and foremost with some first aid skills you're you're nothing else Um, the first aid kits that we carried were certainly at that point quite frankly woeful again they've really come on now but um at the time you know was this crumpled green bag in the back and there'd be a shout go up at an accident or a stabbing or a fight or something you know get the first aid kit and members of the public would be looking at you thinking that you're going to come out of the back of the police car with this amazing kit that you pressed a button and an inflatable fully equipped uh you know hospital sprang up you know and, and everyone was going to be really impressed and the reality is you went to this crumpled bag that barely got touched in the back of the police car. You brought it out, you opened it up to realize that it was virtually empty apart from a single box of plasters. You'd then proudly get out your box of plasters, open those to realize they were empty because everyone who'd cut their finger at the nick had basically used them. So, you know, the first aid kits were horrendous. And, um, as I say, our training was pretty basic. Clearly I was in no way equipped to deal with this guy who had a piece of his skull missing. So I didn't really know what to do. Uh, I had gloves on. I had this piece of skull in my hand. I basically picked it up and fairly neatly tried to put it back into the hole in his skull, which it did. It fitted, obviously, quite well. So I just sort of popped it on there, and, you know, almost gave it a little pat. And uh, when the first paramedic turned up, told them what I'd done, and they kind of rolled their eyes and were like, yeah, you shouldn't have done that because you've now introduced infection or you could have introduced infection It turns out, thankfully, none of those things happened, but I was feeling pretty crestfallen. You know, you can imagine basic first aid can never cover all scenarios. So I was all right putting plasters on, but putting pieces of uh, skull back in, you know, wasn't really my forte. Anyway, so back to our our helicopter attachment. So en route to this horrible accident... I was quite nervous about dealing with the first aid side of it because of what had happened. I mean, I did have a paramedic with me, but I also knew on the way that there was three casualties. Um, So I was fairly confident I was going to be, you know, called to to help out in some way. Anyway, so 40-odd minute journey. We arrive, again, there's a certain amount more circling. And certainly I knew it was serious because the way the crew were acting and also, excuse me, the... The pilot had had none of his kind of fancy flying on the way. It was just straight to the scene. He wasn't playing about. We put down in this field beside the main road, which is where this accident happened, and it had actually happened on an S-bend, quite a sort of uh, squiggly S-bend through a rural part of the country. And basically these three nurses on uh, a charity walk um, had been walking along the pavement, uh, and there was actually a pavement, so... uh, as opposed to them walking on the road uh a car i think an audi had come through really fast like somebody who's a wannabe race driver which you see a lot unfortunately had come absolutely tanking through these bends and because of what they were there was a certain amount of loose gravel on them um, and he'd lost it basically and he'd lost this car lost control of it and it flipped over and hit all three of these nurses um, and again, you, you know, you can't help but thinking where where is the justice in that? You know, these three nurses that are already in a fantastic job at helping people. And now they're doing a charity walk, you know, in their spare time. And this happens to them. So when we arrived, um, one of the nurses was already a fatality. They decided there was nothing could be done with her. She'd been triaged. There was um, paramedics on scene. But they decided that unfortunately, yeah, she was... Uh, she couldn't be saved so she was covered um and this was probably a, a, you know one of the first fatal accidents i'd ever been to um so so she was covered up and there was along the edge of the pavement there was a series of really um big and bushy sort of brambles you know the sharp um brambles that have all the horrible thorns in um and she was virtually buried within this stuff but covered um and dead unfortunately And then we had another one who was very, very serious, um, who I think they sort of scooped and run, as they call it, in the the ambulance. Um, uh, She was bad. And the hospital, the main hospital, was fairly close, about 10 minutes away. So they'd done the real basic stuff to her, the minimum they could get away with to move her, slapped her on a trolley and then got her away to the hospital, which left the third one. And once again, she was absolutely buried in these brambles. You'd have thought for all the world that they'd have laid her there and then planted the brambles and then waited, you know, 20 years for them to grow to fully sort of enclose her. So we we had to cut our way in with uh, sort of snips that the paramedics carried, um, the quick, the tough cuts, I think they're called, um, cut away the brambles um, to actually get a sort of working space within where she was. Now, um, she was really, really pale, clearly in shock sort of her breathing was very rapid and they were trying to calm her down and slow that breathing down um, because that's never good, obviously. As say, she was this real uh, horrible sort of grey, pale colour, which, you know, you didn't have to be medical to figure out that wasn't good. And they were trying to get hold of her breathing. I think she had a chest injury, so they were more worried about that and controlling that breathing. But as an aside, um, I could see, I think she had trousers on and um, I could see quite clearly she had an open fracture to her thigh. So unfortunately, her, her femur, I believe it is, the main bone in the thigh, her had snapped or had been broken by the impact of this car. And it had penetrated the skin in her thigh and was pushing out through her leg, basically. And, you know, again, my understanding is by, bones are meant to be kind of white. Um, this thing was really badly broken on the end so it wasn't like a neat nice neat cut or anything it was it almost looked like sharp teeth on the end where it had either snapped um, but I think unfortunately she'd then been dragged down the road once she'd had the initial impact that had broken this this bone so now you can imagine on the gravel path this bone must have been getting ground along the the tarmac and the, and the gravel as well so it had got broken up and and sort of broken down more and been almost sanded down a bit as well. So I'm led to believe that it was sort of shorter than it should have been. But it it looked horrible, you know, it was was black and grey and had bits of gravel sticking out of it. Again, this is all really bad from an infection point of view. So I was kind of getting flashbacks to um, the week before. But um, the difference was I had a paramedic with me and we were carrying really good medical kit, you know, with people that knew... Uh, what to do with it, and I don't include myself in that, or I didn't then. Um, so I was handed quite a big, impressive-looking dressing. Um, there was some bleeding around the bone, but it wasn't terrible, um, but it was just the main sort of uh, impact visually, you know, this this jagged bone sticking out through her thigh. Uh, so the paramedic said, look, you just, you just control that bleeding. Just wrap that around, and he was basically trying to sort out this This breathing issue at the top and on the chest side of things uh, whilst guiding me verbally what to do down here and basically this was a special sort of donut dressing that went over top of the bone and around it and it was a question of me threading uh, the bone through the hole and then um, padding out uh, with extra dressings around the base of uh, the bone where it was puncturing the skin and putting pressure now to stop the bleeding on this but of course you're terrified of hurting this person. Now, I know it sounds ridiculous because they're seriously injured, but you kind of, you don't want to push too hard because you're waiting for them to scream and tell you to get off. But unfortunately she was very badly injured and, you know, was was far beyond sort of, you know, individual things hurting her, I think. So I had what felt to me quite a lot of pressure down around this bone, pushing down to try and stop this bleeding with this big dressing. Um, and ultimately, uh, the, the bleeding did stop, um, but it took quite a while and uh they they did eventually bring her breathing under control. I think she had some broken ribs, possibly one of those had punctured her lungs, so that 's why the the breathing issue she was struggling with, but it ended up needing the fire brigade to come out as well to assist firstly with cutting the brambles and the sort of foliage back around us where we were trying to work and then um to actually assist in in getting her out and moving her was Fairly horrific as well because you can imagine she's got all these injuries. The last thing you want to do is move her, you know, because you know it's going to hurt. But the reality is, you know, you can't leave her there. So they had her loads of painkillers and gas and air and uh, various injections she's had of, I assume, you know, painkillers. So she was virtually unconscious. um, But we had to pretty unceremoniously drag her out of these bushes with the assistance of the fire brigade, get her onto a a stretcher and then again because we were so close to the hospital it was decided that she would be taken off um by road um to the um to the the hospital rather than going in the aircraft there was an ability to load people into the aircraft but I I don't think it happened unless you know you had quite a long journey to the, the the actual hospital so she was loaded and taken off and I have to say um having finished with that incident I was fairly um affected by it you know we were kind of walking back to the helicopter and up until that point you know on the way we're not even on the way there but you know throughout the day there'd been a fair bit of banter between the three of us um or the four of us and it was um you know quite jovial but but this I think had affected all of us to be honest with you and these guys had been you know to hundreds of these things but this one particularly i think was you know really really unpleasant particularly the circumstances so got back onto the helicopter you know and i still enjoyed the flight back and the whole day but definitely on the way back kind of the the wise old sage the the old school cop that said to me about careful what you wish for you know his his words were ringing in my ear again about i was thinking wow you know i he he was right basically you know you kind of you think you know oh, i hope something exciting happens but not too exciting like this. I'd, I'd never seen, you know, broken bones, puncturing the skin, et cetera, and, and the state of these injuries. Um, but to have to be hands-on, you know, with limited, very limited first aid um, was was quite shocking, really. So it was, uh, yeah, it was quite a quiet and a sombre drive home for me after that. But uh, overall, you know, again, it was an interesting day. I learned a huge amount, and, and it was really good to see, how the helicopter operated and kind of what they wanted when they were called, and we even talked through about them assisting or, or me assisting on the ground with them landing in terms of um directing them down and some hand signals and things um so yeah it was it was a good day it was interesting um but there we go that's instant that's that incident so that was episode ten and uh next week we'll continue on and we will have. We will come to some more funny and perhaps amusing stories in future. They're not all going to be doom and gloom because you do go to a lot of funny things as well. But that's it for now. Thanks very much for listening. Yeah, please continue to download and uh, pass it on to anyone you think may be interested. I'd appreciate it. But uh, take it easy and I'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye.